We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast wednesday april 13th 2022 this is the debut podcast of sorts it was supposed to be last week but we screwed that up so we didn't have that i'm your host i'm jacob westendorf you typically hear me on Mondays or Wednesdays, I guess it depends on when you've been listening to this podcast, uh, with Jake Morley and Ross Uglum, uh, or Maggie Loney, Jimmy Christensen, a wide range of people, Nick Schmitz, of course. Uh, but joined tonight by my newest team that will be with us all the way through draft season. So just a quick breakdown for you guys tonight. Our topic is offensive tackles. Next week, we're talking interior offensive line, and the following week, we will be doing a seven-round mock draft before closing it out once we get post-draft season because we are only – 15 days away from the NFL draft. But with that many topics regarding offensive linemen, quite clearly that was done on purpose because I am joined by one, a former grad assistant of the UW-Whitewater Warhawks, among many other things, the great Owen Reese. Owen, how are we feeling? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. I don't know if I would go with the great thing that's going to lead me to, to let you guys down. But no, I'm happy to be here. Always happy to talk the big dogs. Um, and, and Russ and I have been doing this for a couple of years here. Um, and it's, it's always a good time. So heading into the best part of the year. Yes. So this is a reuniting podcast of sorts because I had you guys with me two years ago. So two draft cycles ago, the Jordan love year. And then last year, I think you guys had Nick Schmitz with you. So, uh, Nick has decided not to do that this particular time around. So I get you guys again, and I'm joined, like I mentioned, uh, by Russ Brown and Russ of Cover One. His draft guide just dropped today. It's free to download. I'll let Russ explain that here in just a minute. And also with Woodward Sports. So, Russ, welcome back. How are we feeling? Uh, Matthew Stafford is a Super Bowl champion, but not with the Detroit oh, yeah, Lions. I love that in. <laughs> I could have said the other thing, you know, from, from college football that happened this particular past year, but that's okay. What, uh, what, 37-33 or something? Oh, okay, because, I mean, there's more. Is there is that the most important game of the year, or is it actually winning something? <laughs> For me, <about> absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, they hang banners in East Lansing for beating Michigan. Congratulations. There will be a real banner hung in, in Ann Arbor this this spring for, for a Big Ten title. But, but go on. We're not going to do that tonight because this is, like I said, it's reuniting, and I want to welcome you back in a positive way. So tell me about your draft guide at Cover One and what we got going on over there. 
Yeah. Uh, well, one, it's great being back with you guys. Um, even if it is to talk a little Packers, everybody should know by now. I'm not a Packers guy, but I do like breaking down the draft and, and viewing it from a kind of the outside perspective that I bring to the table. But uh, no, it's great being back with you guys. And yeah, the, the draft guy dropped today. Um, it's free to download. You can go to cover1.net. You can check it out on my Twitter page at Russ NFL Draft. It's pinned up at the top. Uh, it's got about 130 in depth uh, prospect breakdowns of strengths, weaknesses, projection, player notes as far as their background. And then I have about 40 or 50 notes on players that I only watched one or two games on and just didn't have time to uh, watch more of their tape as at some point this year I had COVID, my son had football, travel baseball, things kind of just hit the fan and I didn't get as much done as I had planned, but uh, I'm still proud of the work and I'm I'm happy uh, of the support that everybody's given me. But yeah, talking offensive linemen today, I'm excited about it. Um, It's always great talking with you guys and um, I'm, I'm just happy to be back. I just downloaded my copy as he was talking, so I will throw that link in the description for tomorrow's show. So if you guys see this, hit that description, hit that download button, and like he said, about 130 profiles uh, for each player. And like like he mentioned, you know, it's an outside perspective. There's a lot of draft guides out there, and a lot of them are catered toward the Green Bay Packers. This one can maybe give you a little bit more general sense um, with some specifics, obviously, but not specifically uh, catered toward the Packers. Something about the Packers that I did want to talk about just as a, a quick introduction to our topic is today the assistant coaches were brought in for their media availability uh, before the draft. And Adam Stenovich, the new offensive coordinator uh, promoted from last year's offensive line coach, that title now belongs to Luke Butkus. Yes, he is related to Dick Butkus if you live under a rock. That is true. But Adam Stenovich said today, that, quote, the Packers could use a guy or two at offensive tackle. And that's been kind of a discussion point this offseason. Obviously, David Bakhtiari is under contract. He's going to start next year if he's healthy, which is a valid question at this point. Uh, he was unable to fully recover after last year's or two years ago. Now his ACL injury. He came back for one game in Detroit and then was unable to uh, play six days later, 13 days later, excuse me, against San Francisco and it, it's, it's kind of an interesting point that they're at with him. The other thing is who's going to play right tackle. Billy Turner was released. That was surprising, at least to me a little bit. I thought they would want to bring him back as their right tackle. Is it Josh Nyman? Uh, is it Elton Jenkins? Is it somebody else? Did they draft a guy? And we'll talk about that in just a minute. So, Owen, you're the O-line guy here, and you're the insider, if you will, so to speak, and the fact that you are you follow the Packers closely, and then we'll get the outside perspective here in just a minute. But what are your opinions on – let's start with Yosh Nyman, uh, and then you can work into Elton Jenkins a little bit. But Yosh played left tackle for a vast majority of the year last year. Um, played well, at least uh, from what could be expected. And uh, is that a guy that can, as Josh Sitton once said, learn to wipe his ass with the other hand and, and play right tackle? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's at least worth exploring. Uh, Nyman did play right tackle his senior year at Virginia Tech as well. Um, after starting there at left tackle. So I think that's something worth looking at. I think really what it comes down to, though, is how much the Packers value him and how, how good they think he could be. Uh, we've seen in the past they've hired, they've signed Jared Valdir during the year. They've signed Dennis Kelly, right? They got him last year as kind of a fail-safe. So they've kind of had that spot. Billy Turner has, has mostly played there, right? But they've, they've been able to find little stop gaps uh, at right tackle. That could be another situation where if they do like Nyman, and they really they 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 want to try him at right tackle. Um, 
it could be a, a position to where he could try that and then bring in another veteran right tackle, right? Um, but I think really it, it depends as they think if he could be a starter or if he's just a, a swing tackle. I think that's the big thing. Um, I think he's he's earned the right to have a shot at it, but I don't think that having Nyman on the roster should prohibit you from looking at um, upgrading the position and whether that is Bernard Ryman or Daniel Falele or someone later in the draft. Um, you know, as far as that goes, it, it's he's a nice piece to have, but I don't think he's he's some big time legitimate talent that you're like, well, this is obviously the right tackle of the future. Um, just very quickly. And I, Jacob, I know, you know, my feelings on this. I'm very hesitant to like Elton Jenkins has objectively been very good. Like I'm sure he's the second best tackle on the roster behind David Bakhtiari, regardless of where he plays. Um, I'm always very hesitant to move guys like that. Uh, depending on where you look on the internet, they'll talk about positional value. And like, I remember even like Mike Renner, um, talked about moving Quentin Nelson to left tackle with the Colts because like, well, if he's that good, then he'll be more valuable to left tackle. I'm very hesitant to move guys like that. So Elton Jenkins is an all pro at left guard. Like I, I'm not necessarily advocating for him um, to move to right tackle. Uh, but if that's something they would decide to do, given his, his showing there, I would at least get it. Um, but that's, that's another, another option also coming off a torn ACL. Um, so both of the, the best two tackles on the roster are coming off of ACLs. Um, so that's some indecision there, but I, I think Nyman's earned the right to try it, but I, I don't think that he's your hamstring to, um, you know, well, right tackles fixed. We can, we can look for development stuff otherwise. Yeah. And that's, that's the big thing there that I think is kind of gets lost, I guess, in translation is sometimes like fans, we look at a position and are like, okay, well, if you just put that in there, that's, that's okay. Well, the goal with team building is not to just be okay or just to get by. You want to be really good. And especially you guys have seen they got by at offensive tackle the last two years with Billy Turner and um, Rick Wagner or Billy Turner and Dennis Kelly playing tackle in the playoffs. They got by, but they also got beat because they were just getting by instead of being really good. And if you look at some of these teams, Andrew Whitworth played a hell of a game in the Super Bowl for the Rams. The Bengals didn't win the Super Bowl because they couldn't block for Matthews or uh, for Joe Burrow. You've got a bunch of examples like that. Uh, Just two years ago, the Chiefs played four guards in a center in the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay. And it doesn't matter how good Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill are with Travis Kelsey. If Mahomes is on his back or running for his life, that's what kind of gets lost, I think, is the idea that, well, if Yash is, is good enough, so to speak. And the question really is, is he? Because the Packers were willing to play Billy Turner coming off an injury, four weeks removed from an injury, and start him instead of starting Nyman up left tackle and kind of run that way. So I'm interested to see how they do things as the roster stands right now. And it's April 13th. So we've got quite some time before they play a game. I would guess Elton Jenkins plays right tackle, but I'm kind of with you. I would rather him be an all pro than, than good or really even really good because all pro is the best of the best. Right. So think of it that way. Moving in, Russell, on the outside looking in, obviously you see the Packers play at least twice a year when they play Detroit and whatever games you catch along the way. They're on TV quite a bit, so I imagine you catch them quite a few times in studying guys. We know David Bakhtiari is really good when he's healthy, but what's your assessment of this team's overall uh, grade, if you will? Maybe you don't have to sign a letter to that, but of their tackle position. what's the? Is it a strength? Is it like net neutral? What do you think of their tackle position as we go into this, this draft part of the season? 
I'd certainly go with that. It's neutral. And I mean, I do watch the Packers quite a bit for a variety of reasons. One, I, I, I watch enough bad football during the year. I need to watch <laughs> some good football at times, but also Devonte Adams. And I'm not trying to hit a soft spot here, but he's one of my favorite players in the league and has been on my fantasy team for many, many years now. So I would always pay attention to the Packers and watch their games. Obviously, that might change a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm very neutral on it as far as, you know, I think there's there's obviously a lot of talent there, but I think you can definitely upgrade or find ways to upgrade. And, and as, you know, Owen mentioned, there was the conversation of Quentin Nelson maybe moving from left guard to left tackle for the Colts and how that kind of maybe ruins his value in a, in a sense because – it's hard to, to move a player from, let's just say, tackle to guard, and it's even probably harder to move a player from guard to tackle. Obviously, you need an elite athlete, a technician, somebody that understands both ends of, of the game from, from left tackle or right tackle and either guard spot wherever they're playing. And with this, I mean, I, I look at this kid in, in Nyman that has, gets a shot. He does pretty well. I think he is more of that swing tackle type of player. He kind of reminds me in a sense of like Matt Nelson, who came out of Iowa, went to, you know, is on the Lions and and played relatively well as a right tackle and as that swing tackle. And I thought he did, you know, a good job for the Lions. And I think this is a very similar situation where, you know, yeah, the Lions could have maybe rolled with Matt Nelson this past year and and not taken, you know, Panay Sewell, but at the same time, they ended up taking that guy. And I don't know what the board's going to look like at 22 or 28 or, again, even at 53 or 59, but there's enough draft capital there within the top 60 where I think that this team should look at upgrading it because I think Jenkins, and, and Owens is absolutely right, I think he's way better. He's a quality tackle, and he, he holds his own there, but I think he is way better inside at guard and I think you do get that all pro right guard out of a player like that if he's inside so I think you look at one of the these offensive tackles and and maybe even some of these I don't want to say questionable interior offensive linemen in this draft but some players that might be better suited to play right guard rather than right tackle like a player like Darian Kennard for example out of Kentucky reminds me a little bit of Cody Ford he might be better suited to play right tackle in a system like you know, Green Bay, but maybe for another team, he might be better to play right guard. It just kind of depends, but there's a lot of different value here. And I think it's a good offensive tackle class overall, where I think the Packers can take advantage of it again in the top 64 picks. You, you, I think somewhere you can find a quality right tackle. And we'll talk about those here in just a minute. My take that I kind of mentioned, I agree with you, Russ, and something just thinking about the long-term outlook of this team this team, it goes one of two ways, right? Like either Aaron Rodgers is on this team and he's an aging quarterback and you want that that man's blind side protected as much as possible. Well, what's the best way to do that? Having two all pros sitting over there at left tackle and left guard. I think that's a really good way to do those things. If it's not Aaron Rodgers, say Rodgers only plays one more season or two more seasons and then retires. Well, then you have a young quarterback, whether that's Jordan Love or another guy that they draft. Again, having his blind side protected especially for somebody that maybe is a little less aware in the pocket of what's going on around him. It only takes one of those hits to go on. So I'm with you. I think that they should be looking to find a way instead of penciling Elton in at left tackle, so to speak, I would be running with that at guard and then trying to find one of those tackles. And then from left to right, you've got Bakhtiari Jenkins, Josh Myers, who showed some things at a rookie and John Runyon Jr. was pretty solid as a left guard last year as well. So then you're just kind of trying to figure out, right tackle and let's do that right now we're going to solve problems so brian gutekunst if you're listening this is the show to listen to because we're going to tell you who the right tackle of the future is let's start with the guy 
the Packers did go to see him. They were at his pro day, and that is Bernard Raymond. And there's a lot of questions about that. Um, Russ, you had a player comp that scared the piss out of me, to be quite honest with you (laughs) off the top here. But Raymond's 25 years old. The oldest first-round pick the Packers have taken under Brian Gutekunst was just a shade over 22. So there's been some people that have maybe dismissed that. There's other thoughts that with the COVID season and some of these players that are in this draft are, you know, fifth, sixth-year seniors, and they're just older than they typically would be. So maybe you have to adjust your thinking a little bit than what you might normally do, considering this is a quote-unquote normal draft. I know and you had a couple comments today earlier about just some of the smaller UDFA classes and things that they had from a year ago. But, Russ, Bernard Raymond, your pro comp was? Jason Spriggs. I didn't know you were turning that over to me. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, he uh, he reminds me a little bit of Jason Spriggs, some background information on him. You know, he obviously very limited as far as offers. He didn't start playing football until he was 14 years of age. He obviously got the offer to go play at, at Central Michigan. Um, you know, he played wide receiver in Austria. He also played soccer. And he was somebody that, you know, when he finished high school in Michigan, he played up in Delton Kellogg up in Delton, Michigan. Um, he, he moved back to Austria and he finished high school there. And then he did actually a six month mandatory service for the military there, which is uh, when I came across it, I was like, Oh, I did not know that. Um, but yeah, I mean, on the field, he, you know, I think is a very natural athlete played tight end, somebody that is still new to the position. And I think he operates really well in space. You can see the athleticism. I think his lower body is relatively clean, but I think his play strength is really going to get tested at times. I think his patient punch, you know, he's, he's very patient with that first punch. I think that gets him in trouble at times because faster, more experienced defenders, I think are going to time that way better than what he saw in the Mac. And he's also got this forward lean that really scares me. And it just, the more I watched him, the more I thought to myself, man, I see myself falling for him the same way I did Jason Spriggs. And I was like, Oh wait, that's who this guy is. So honestly, I know we're talking Raymond, but real quick, I just want to say, I know the Packers were there at the, you know, CMU pro day, probably paying attention to Raymond, but it wouldn't surprise me if they started falling in love with Luke Godeke out of central as well, who I like a little bit more than Raymond, because I just think he's very technically sound. I think he's again, a former tight end, very athletic, but I think from a tech technique, technician standpoint he is somebody that can shoot his hands inside consistently and i will say go back and watch his game against missouri and it's some of the cleaner tape i think you'll find for for some of the right tackles in this draft we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
And Owen, Russ is talking there about a, a forward lean. Just to explain to our listeners, like, what exactly that means. Because I think a vast majority – I know Jacob Morley has said this before, and he admits it flat out. Like, when I'm watching offensive tackles, it's like I'm just watching, does he block the guy across from him? And if he does that better than not most times, like – but it's not that simple, obviously. So when Russ says forward lean and everything, as far as his technique goes, what does that mean? Uh, yeah, so – when a player has forward lean, essentially what that means is uh, when you're taught, you want to, you want to, as an offensive lineman, you want to keep your chest back and you want to keep your chin up, right? And you're kind of presenting your your chest to the defender, but really you you want to stay on balance. You want to stay square and you want to be in a nice, powerful posture to where you can either move forwards or backwards at the same time, but but being good to go. When you have that forward lean, it either means that you are uh, really tight in your hips which means that you're you're bending at the waist in order to get lower because your your hips are tight uh, or your knees are, are bad. Um, and then the other thing too, and typically what I've seen um, both both coaching high school and college as well as playing is you're compensating for lack of strength, right? So you need that forward momentum to to slow some of that as opposed to being able to really kind of sit and being able to absorb <clears throat> whatever what other uh, the defenders bringing at you. With that way, you're really trying to negate it and then kind of either shock the defender back or at the very least negate that momentum immediately, which is like fine until they they use that forward lean against you, right? When you're um, leaning forward, your your head's over your toes, right? You're not on balance. You can be quickly shocked or thrown to the ground, moved to the side. It's just not a powerful position as opposed to having your chest back and your feet underneath you and really kind of able to handle that. Um, so that's kind of that forward lean. Um, and as we saw with Jason Spriggs, the play strength was a concern. Stopping and transitioning that inside move was a concern, right? The athleticism is very enticing, um, and you can move as well as you want to, but if you can't uh, stop anyone once you move where you're going, that's part of the issue. Also, I wanted to I would be remiss if I forgot about this. As far as Luke Godeke goes, Packer fans will appreciate, is uh, a Valders High School alum, right? So a Wisconsin kid ended up at Central Michigan. So I just wanted to put that in there. Um, if Green Bay is interested in Godeke, they didn't have to look far to see where he's from. I tell you, Owen, I don't know how you do this, but just like high school stuff, where they went to high school, what their star rating was when they went there. You have like this just beacon of knowledge that comes out of your brain when it comes to these draft prospects of who was like, who was the number one high school recruit in the country four years ago? I have no idea, but I have a feeling that you might, I'm not actually asking you. So probably, if you don't know probably Sean Gary. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if that only I could right, use these yeah. powers for good. I, I personally think it's for good, but that's okay. Let's move on to some other powers that we have here. And then, so we've talked about it. This offensive tackle class, obviously, Evan Neal, um, Icky, whose last name I'm not even going to try and butcher on something like that. But there's some guys at the top of this class that Green Bay is just not likely to have an opportunity uh, to take with one of their first-round picks. Maybe they could move up into the top ten for one of those guys. I guess that's possible. They have the capital to do so if they so choose. I just don't picture that being a scenario that's that's going to play out on draft night. But maybe. I just wanted to mention uh, those guys as well. So let's get into some of the guys they could pick. We talked about Bernard Raymond. Uh, I am of the belief, I've actually talked about this before, and I know Russ talked about the draft capital that they have. I made the prediction a couple of weeks ago that the last two years, the Packers have taken three offensive linemen on the third day of the draft. And I actually tend to think that's the way that they're going to go again in this particular draft class because of just the way that – some of these tackles uh, don't really line up with some of their athletic preferences, especially the day one guys or their age preferences. In the case of Raymond, you talk about some of these other guys that have gone through here. But Owen, you got a first hand look 
at some of the guys um, at the all-star game that you're in. So tell us about your experience there and just who you saw there that might be something that could be of interest to the Packers. Uh, yeah. So uh, for those that don't know, I scout the ACC for the East West Shrine game. Uh, and so I was lucky enough to be in Las Vegas this um, winter uh, when they had the game. Flex and, on them. Hey, Flex on them. And uh, it was awesome. I had a great opportunity to go work the game um, and, and see some of the guys that I scouted get down there, which was awesome. A uh, couple guys that kind of fit that mold that were down there I think would be intriguing. Uh, the first one that jumps out is Kellen Deesh from Arizona State. It was their left tackle. He is also older. They believe he's either 24 or he'll turn 25 as a rookie or is 25 right now. Um, but if you like Bernard Raymond, you'll like Kellen Deesh. And if you can get Kellen Deesh, uh, who's the same age or younger and a similar player in the fourth round or fifth round, um, I'm down for that. Very athletic. I believe you're in a sub five at the combine. Uh, a lot of those similar things. Um, I, in fairness to Jason Spriggs, <laughs> um, I think this current offensive scheme that they run would be more friendly than the one he was with with McCarthy and so that's what comparing these guys to a player that the Packer fans would have a, a generally negative association with and then saying well actually I'm advocating for them to draft these guys in that defense right I think Deesh uh, is a good fit for this system this this wide scheme system they want more lateral athleticism they want the ability to turn and run I think he can do that pretty well another guy that I think would be interesting for them is Ryan Vandemark from UConn another guy who's at the Shrine game was a prep school kid, a, a late bloomer, late in the process, started to get some offers, is 6'6". He was 305 pounds. I was a bit surprised that he didn't get a combine invite given his performance at the Shrine game. But he's another guy, a big athletic dude, able to keep his shoulder square and pass pro and not bail against these speed rushers. He's another guy I think that could get that fifth to sixth round area. Uh, another guy that, that would make a lot of sense for them. The green, uh, the Packers have still shown the propensity at guard or otherwise to prefer players that have a history playing left tackle or blindside tackle in college. Um, so those are a couple of guys there that, that kind of fit that bill and, and could be available um, on, on day three, a couple of game guys. So something that you said there that I did want to touch on a little bit was, you know, Russ brought up Jason Spriggs and, you know, like you mentioned, that sends shutters down my spine. But when you talk about the difference in the scheme between McCarthy's scheme uh, and, and Matt LaFleur's, obviously, you know, people have heard the zone blocking system since McCarthy came in 2005. I remember the first guy he hired was Jeff Jagodzinski, and it was to install that zone blocking scheme. So just really quickly, I, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a long in-depth thing because I'm sure there's more to it than that. But just what is the basic difference between those two things where someone with Spriggs' skill set might be a little more successful in, in Matt LaFleur's scheme as opposed to Mike McCarthy's? Uh, the big thing, just as far as, like I said, the lateral athleticism, right? So um, McCarthy's was more inside zone, straight ahead. Um, still looking at quote-unquote like athletes. Um, but the the major difference is, like I said, with this wide zone scheme is you're putting athletic dudes basically um, further out along the line of scrimmage, right? So if he's, if he's a left tackle, for instance, if you're running wide zone to the right, you're looking for him to cut off that backside defensive tackle, right? I don't need you to physically dominate the guy. I just need you to get your body in front of him, right? If it's wide zone play side to your side, 
all I'm really looking forward for you to do is to try to stretch that edge and influence that defensive end outside. Again, that doesn't need to be a dominating block because that wide zone is probably getting cut back in the B gap. But what we want is just to try to spread that out and and stretch that perimeter as much as we can. Um, So much, I mean, and don't get me wrong, like the Packers still run plenty of inside zone and, and other gap stuff, but it's as far as, as like your bread and butter, meat and potatoes run play, it's much more dependent on athleticism um, as opposed to strength, which the Packers are still are, want to value strength, right? But like as far as a, um, the Packers would take a weak guy that can move over a, a strong dude that can't. Um, so if to, to oversimplify it that way, that's kind of what they're, they're really going to look for and kind of put a priority on that athleticism for that reason. They also don't put their guys on an island as often as they did under McCarthy. I mean, and that was something that <laughs> I, I mean, I remember Josh Walker playing right tackle and still it was just island tackle with with him and Bakhtiari was playing in that particular game as well. And I couldn't believe that that was that was what was taking place. So, Russ, I was talking about day two and some day three guys. You mentioned earlier that the capital was there. Let's start with the second and the third round, you know, some guys that could go in that particular range. You know, I know Kellen Deesh is a name I've seen in that area. Abraham Lucas is another one I've seen in that area. But who are some guys that you like that could be? I think if you got some truth serum into every single Packers fan that exists, they would tell you that, you know, 22 and 28, they want both of those to be fantasy football players. And that may very well be what happens. It also may not be. The Packers don't really seem to care what the uh, general public seems to think on those things. And that's a good thing. But when you talk about some day two guys, who are some guys that they could take at 53, 59, or even 92 that you think could be of interest to them? Well, uh, one name was already kind of mentioned, and you mentioned him, and then Owen mentioned the other guy. I'll start at the top. That's uh, Daniel Fileli out of Minnesota. I think I said that right. I don't know. I butcher his name every every show I'm ever on to talk about him. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's a massive human being. Saw him up close at the Senior Bowl. Massive frame, hands of steel. Uh, he should have no issues actually anchoring against defenders. There were times that he lost balance, and I think it's more so, uh, as we, we talked about earlier, you know, guys with a little bit of a too much forward lean, more so bending at the waist and, and things like that. And I think that's what he ended up doing on some one-on-one situations. And honestly, I hate one-on-ones for offensive linemen. It's not, it's just, it's not really fair um, to kind of have that on an island and things like that. But if you put him at right tackle in this offense, I think it would actually be beneficial with with a player like Jenkins playing next to him. I always believe that if you have a quality guard next to, you know, maybe an average starting tackle, they can make each other better. And I think that's kind of the case at times with, with Philele. He's at, at times just looks like an average player, you know, still very rough around the edges. I think he clean up his lower body as far as his positioning, his foot speed, his hand placements, a little bit inconsistent. And, you know, he was somebody that didn't start playing football um, until he was 17 years old, essentially. Um, he played one year of high school football. He was noticed in a, in a Melbourne area gym because he's from Australia. Uh, a University of Hawaii recruiter walked in and instantly started contacting you know teams across the country and said, you guys got to check this kid out. And then all of a sudden he goes down to IMG Academy, plays one year. And before he even stepped on the field, he had offers from Michigan, LSU, Miami, Florida, teams like that. Um, so as a former rugby player, former basketball player, uh, he comes over, you know, size 18 shoe, goes to Minnesota. Minnesota, 
And he's got 30 starts at right tackle. I think as, as maybe a more of a developmental player, you know, he makes sense. I think at 59, it might be a little rich for some, but on my board, he checks in at 65. So I think that's relatively good range. And if you end up passing on him, the next guy would be Abe Lucas, who you mentioned, and he's 86th on my board, and maybe he's the fit at 92. Um, and he's somebody that at 6'6", 315, the more and more I, I watched, I started liking a little bit of what I saw, you know, because of his overall length. I like that he started all four years at Washington State. Former basketball player in high school, he averaged 16 uh, points per game, 14 rebounds, and he was somebody that committed very early to Washington State. He had a lot of offers from other schools, primarily Pac-12 schools, but he ended up going there and, and staying at Washington State. His grandfather played college baseball at Seattle University, so he comes from a kind of an athletic background, um, but I think the biggest thing with him, he struggled with inside counter moves. I think he opened up his hips far too much on the outside. He couldn't really work his way back inside because, you know, transitioning his weight from his post foot to his set foot and vice versa. He kind of struggled in that area from time to time. But I think overall, he is somebody that if you took up at 92, you wouldn't expect him to start right away. If you feel like where this this depth chart is at offensive tackle, if you can get by during certain portions of the year, which is kind of what it feels like the Packers do, you know, through eight or nine weeks, they go, you know, one direction with this starting unit. And then a few weeks later, they, they change it up. So I think if that was the case and Abe Lucas ended up starting as a rookie, I think think he would still be fine he'd be an adequate starter as a as a rookie yeah you talk about Falele. that's a guy who intrigues me on day two just because it's somebody that we I know we talked about it earlier but he doesn't have to start so to speak mm-hmm. for the Packers on day one and that's somebody I think oh and you mentioned a couple weeks ago he's just a size strength type player that just comes around once a decade and I can picture the Packers being really interested in something like that I know um Budokunst has said before he likes tall, long athletes, and usually that's referring to defensive backs and receivers and such, but I think that's something that could intrigue them as well. Uh, well let's like, look toward okay. – uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to butt in here, but he's a guy that you dra- – you like you willingly overdraft, right? Like yeah. you're a guy – like this man is six foot eight and 380 pounds and can walk and chew gum at the same time. And like there's just a certain amount of point where like – the plant, like a planet theory, there's just not very many people on this planet that are that size in general, much less that can do anything, right? So, like, you take him at say 28. Is he one of the best 28 football players in this draft? Not even close. Is he one of the best 52 players in this draft? Not even close. But his ceiling is as high as anybody. He can be what? Yeah, his ceiling is whatever you think Evan Neal's can be theoretically, right? Like that's the whole. That's the yeah. appeal, and that's a guy that. I don't know if I would advocate for taking it 28. I'm sure if you're Adam Senevich, you probably are, right? But, like, he's one of those guys that, like, regardless of who takes him, you're probably taking him. You're buying the upside, right? You're buying the potential. You're not buying the player that he is right now. like Because you can take someone to play right tackle like Kenyon Green. If you're really if you're really reaching for a right tackle, right, you could take someone like Kenyon Green who's played a lot of guard at AM, but I think could get away with it in the NFL. He's a much more finished product right now. Right. And you're 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 buying the floor. You're buying the product currently with someone like Kenyon Green um, or, you know, the the somewhat of the appeal. Really, Falele and Ryman aren't that all different as far as prospects if you ignore like their size. Right. Because they're and, and like forget the age thing with Ryman. But right. But like you're, you're buying the upside. You're buying the future what they could be. And those those are the those types of things where those first round picks need to be that type of guy. Right. Like as much as there's like the like you safe picks are great. Right. Like 
second and third round picks are great times for safe draft picks, right? Like first round picks are trying to hit home runs. And Daniel Flele is going to be a huge home run cut with your eyes closed. And you might swing and miss and, and Carlos Gomez corkscrew yourself into the ground. Or you might hit a 550-foot home run. But he's a guy, and, and I'm glad we talked about him, but he's a guy, like, he's not a top 28 player in this draft, but he could be a top two player at the end of the day. And I'm going to be incredibly interested as to the Packers draft philosophy, and this is what I want to close with, just knowing the situation that the team is in. And you talked about it, Owen. You talk about how home run swings that you take in the first round. Well, Green Bay over the Brian Gutekunst tenure especially, I mean, Rashawn Gary, Darnell Savage, Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, not finished products, and I'm, I'm not intentionally – even Jordan Love is even that, honestly. All of those guys are home run swings. And then what they've done on day two has been trying to hit, like, a single or, you know, stretch something into a double. A.J. Dillon, Josiah DeGuara, uh, Josh Jackson, players like that that were, quote, unquote, safer prospects. I am curious if Green Bay might – try and find somebody that's a little bit more of a higher floor prospect that maybe tries to contribute right away, just knowing the situation they're in uh, with Aaron Rodgers and obviously having pushed all their money and everything out into the future and, and trying to win right now. And those are just using Gutekunst words throughout the course of the offseason. Russ, let me kick to you on that. If you're Brian Gutekunst, and we've just talked about what you typically have done, but you're in a one to two year window with Aaron Rodgers. Do you alter your draft strategy and say, okay, maybe Daniel Falele, just to use an offensive tackles name, could be a guy who's like the best right tackle in football three years from now? Or do you draft somebody that's a little bit safer and say like, well, we could get by with Kenyon Green again, just to use Owen's name that he threw out there right now. What is your philosophy on that moving into these next couple of years? I, I think what I would be doing is going the safe route because you mentioned, you know, one to two year window, maybe three year window. I get the home run ability of maybe a Philele or a Raymond or something like that. But at the end of the day, if Kenyon Green is this consistent now, he could very well be that consistent or better tomorrow. And I think that's what I would be kind to to hit for because I, I want I want to win now. I want somebody that's going to be in there today. And if if it's not going to be Kenyon Green, and if I'm going to swing for maybe the fences, another player that I would just add into the mix is is Tyler Smith from Tulsa, um, who is a very strong physical offensive tackle, kind of that mauling tackle. Maybe he's better suited at guard. His hand placement's crazy. He has far too many penalties. But when you watch him on the on the field, I mean, he is finishing guys, chucking them in the dirt, blocking them downfield to the sidelines. I think that's that type of aggression and mentality that you might want to establish up front. And I think knowing that you might be able to get him at either guard or tackle makes him that much more interesting. And, you know, maybe, maybe he's, you know, comparable to like a, a Robert Hunt from a couple of years ago. At times I kind of see like an Andre Smith out of Alabama a few years back, you know, and he was a first rounder, obviously Tyler Smith's not ninth overall pick or, or 10th overall, you know, a top 10 player or anything like that. But I think maybe the potential to maybe be a top 20, top 25 player from this class is there. So maybe you take a guy like that and you get 98 games started that you got from Andre Smith when he was with the Bengals and kind of was around the league and things like that. So I think that would be the, another player that I would look at. But if I, if I'm, to answer the question, yeah, I would go the safe route. I would be looking at a Kenyon Green. And honestly, if he was there, I I could totally see the Packers making that selection. And I would be somewhat upset because I, I do like Kenyon Green quite, quite a bit. I think he gets forgotten about in this draft. 
Owen, real quick, just on on your end of things here, just sticking with that theme and that question, you kind of talked about it a little bit, but yeah, what's your take on that? I think, I I mean, maybe maybe they've completely changed their tune, but at least the organizational uh, pitch right away last year when all the, the stuff went down was their whole approach was like, yeah, well, no one's bigger than the team. Right. Like that, that was the, that was at least like the, the company line there, the toe, and then obviously made a ton of concessions for Rogers, which I agreed and, and understand. But like, to me, I, me, I think you continue to build the team the way that you build the team, right? Like part of the reason it gets so good is because you hit those, those home runs. If it's one of those things where I think if you take someone like Daniel Falele, which um, I, I would personally enjoy, cause I think Twitter Packers Twitter would burn down if they took him. Um, but again, they've taken, they've had guys like Jared Valdir, they've taken guys like Dennis Kelly, and they've had those kind of those band-aid safety net third tackles in the past. If you believe so highly in Yosh Nyman, if the right tackle position is Yosh Nyman, Daniel Falele, and a third tackle like that, like if that's your four, right? Like if say they bring back Dennis Kelly again, and really Falele is probably your third right tackle. All, all things considered, if you needed to play tomorrow, um, I don't have any issue with that. Uh, I'm also probably the wrong guy to ask because I have no issue with uh, low upside, high floor offensive lineman either. Um, but to me, I think that's part of the deal, right? Like the Packers have been a very talented roster um, the past couple of years. And I think that like moving forward, that's, that's your best way to do it. I think you still take home run swings, given that you've got four picks in the top 60, right? Like, if you take uh, Traylon Burks at 22 and Falele at 28, then immediately 52 or 53, wherever the first round sec- or the first second round pick is, that can be another safe pick, right? That could be a, a Josh Pascal or whatever. Then all of a sudden you've got those two immediate contributors and the potential for the A plus 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 with Falele. Um, so for me, I don't know. It all depends on how they're going to do it. That's how I would probably do it. Is I would like go get Daniel Kelly or Dennis Kelly, excuse me, and Falele and Josh Nyman, and there's your three-man right tackle room. Um, but but to me, that's I think you keep swinging for the fences, right? Because, like, if you keep um, taking singles, those are always good. But then, and I suppose it's probably the wrong way to look at it, but, like, but then when Rodgers leaves, then you've got a bunch of singles. Yeah, and, and, the, he's, and, the home and run, he's the home run hitter looking to drive the guys in. But, like you got to continue to build the team to be set to, to play without him, I suppose. Yeah, that, that's, that's the way I look at it. Uh, number one, I, you know, I, I can understand like, like you said, what they talked about last year and trying to get him back and all that stuff, but I'm not building the entire team with one guy's future in mind who may not even be here next year. Like that's the other thing that Tom Silverstein story today came out and said that it's possible Aaron Rodgers retires at the end of the year. Mark Murphy told Tom Grassi, it's a year to year thing. So are you going to build your entire – you're going to build a five-year draft because they're five-year players off of one guy? I mean, if you can trade for a guy or something like that, I understand those thoughts too. But if you're sticking and picking, so to speak, then I'm swinging for the fence because that has served you well. It's gotten you Rashawn Gary. It's gotten you Jair Alexander. It's gotten you – I still think Darnell Savage is going to be a good player for them, even if he has yet. Eric Stokes is a player who looks to be a really good player, had a really good rookie season at least. I think that they do what they've done and they've hit home run or they try and hit home runs in the first round. And as they go to the second and third round, that's where you try and hit your single, you know, Elton Jenkins, you talked about a a low upside, high floor player. 
That's what they thought Elton Jenkins was. I don't think they thought he was going to be the – they called him the best offensive lineman in football last year. They told Albert Brewer they thought he was the best offensive lineman in football. I don't think they thought he was going to be that. And then you talk – Josh Myers, that's another single. A.J. Dillon, a single. Josiah DeGuara, might not be a single, but I think that was the thought process with, with picking him there in the third round. That's where I think you do that stuff. And you try and get those – that's where they've tried to find those immediate contributors. It just hasn't worked with some of them. Josh Jackson – DeGuara, Amari Rogers to date. Obviously, there's more stuff going on there. So I'll be interested to see. I just think it's something that, you know, in a normal year, you know, that Aaron's going to be your quarterback or that Jordan's the quarterback and he's going to be for a little while. Things might stay the exact same, but there's at least the question that it might not be. We're over. We're out of time for this week. Be sure to check us out at Packaday Podcast. You can find that on Twitter. Find this every single day. You can find me. I'm at Jacob Westendorf. While I'm talking draft guides, go get the Green Bay draft guide. That is through Game On Wisconsin, the website that I own and I'm the publisher of. We just had it drop on Monday, 225 profiles dedicated to your Green Bay Packers. You can get it for $9.99 right now. 225 profiles, round grades, player comps, all that stuff that you know and you love. It's free to download after you make the purchase, so I guess it's not free to download. Um, But it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun working on it. There's a feature in there. I wrote a story about teams that have kind of done what the Packers have done in the past, um, mainly focused on the New Orleans Saints and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I was floored to find out that the Pittsburgh Steelers have not won a playoff game in seven years. That was wild to me to find out that that was, in fact, the case, but it is. And Jacob Morley wrote on just Packers type. So size, speed, athleticism, preferences, all that good stuff. You can find all those things. Russell Brown, you can find Russ. Where can we find you? Uh, on Twitter at Russ NFL draft. Uh, that's pretty much the only social media that I interact with anybody on because that's the only, that's the only good social media that there is in my opinion. So yeah, find me on Twitter at Russ NFL draft and uh, we'll talk some football. And of course, like I mentioned, you could find Owen Reese. Owen, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Reese draft. It's R I E S E draft. Um, Got some good stuff coming for Bucky's fifth quarter, some Badgers draft content, always uh, supplying uh, either wrestling takes, um, Packers takes, um, complaining about my wife leaving me, uh, <laughs> or, any, or any abundance of self-deprecating humor. Um, so come check me out. Uh, come check, it's, a, it's a good couple weeks leading up here. Um, always a lot of fun and, and always a lot of fun doing this uh, as well. Yeah, and if Owen's wife is listening, please text that man back. We're all tired of hearing about it. So please just give him a text. Let him know where you're at. That's all we're asking for. It's fine. Her charger. She probably lost her charger. It's fine. (laughs) She left it at the house. (laughs) All right. We're out of time. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back talking interior offensive line next week. See you on the other side. (laughs) 